Welcome back to Red Cedar Radar on this lovely Sunday in September. Um, Brendan is joining the pod again to do a little bit of a recap of Michigan State's unfortunate game against Maryland uh, yesterday that they played at home in Spartan Stadium. Obviously, we know that the final score, 31-9, to um, the Spartans really weren't able to put much together the whole time. Any points just off the top of your head about the game overall, Brendan? Turnovers, turnovers, and turnovers. Michigan State had five turno- turnovers on Saturday against Maryland, and that was the big difference in the game. Like If you look at the team stat book, Michigan State had more total yards than Maryland. Like It looked like, from the eye test, it looked like they were competing on the field. It was just the turnovers, and the turnovers in key situations. I think they had multiple turnovers in the red zone. Uh, Hauser's interception late in the game, that was in the red zone. Uh, yeah, so multiple turnovers in the red zone. And then they also gave the ball to Maryland plus territory, I think, early on in the second quarter, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, just turnovers in key spots where you need to cash in at, especially in the, in the those red zone turnovers are so huge. Because when you're in the red zone, you've got to cash in with at least three, if not seven points. Michigan State did not do that. I think that was the major difference in the game. Yeah, it was 31-9. It was a blowout. But... Those turnovers are so important. I think Maryland had like 14 points off of the turnovers in the first half alone. I'm not sure what the final stat is on that, but still, Michigan State, they got to take better care of the football. And that falls on the quarterbacks, falls on the running backs. I know Carter had a fumble, uh, so Michigan State's got to clean that up. Yeah, just silly mistakes. I mean, and players just looking disconnected from each other. It just seemed... Like, things weren't running smoothly at all. Um, I figured we could kind of go through – you touched on a lot of things, but I figured we could kind of just go through briefly the first and second half, give a little bit of a rundown on kind of what happened, and then talk about, you know, what this means for the next game and kind of um, some news coming up with, like, the whole Mel Tucker ordeal and what that will mean possibly for some player changes this you know, upcoming week after Tuesday. So Maryland came out and scored first. Um, and it looked like there was a little bit of energy for Michigan State when they took the ball back over until Carter had a fumble, as you discussed, a turnover. And from then on, it just seemed like they could never get anything going without it being sloppy. Um, they were able to get a field goal, uh, what, what does it say, 37 yards out um, with a little bit of time left in the second quarter. But Maryland had already kind of taken a commanding lead at that point. And I, I pretty much at that point, I figured it was probably too high of a mountain to climb. But if they could get something going right before halftime, maybe a little newfound energy going into the tunnel may have made the second half differently. But unfortunately, uh they could not put it together. Any points overall in general about the first half? Yeah, like I touched on earlier, Michigan State had more total yards than Maryland throughout the whole game. I think they were leading that stat at halftime as well. And you look at some of the possessions, they had a turnover on downs after a 15-play, 68-yard drive. I mean, that's key. you got to cash in on some points there. And I, I definitely would have gone for it. I think they were at like the two-yard line, so I don't blame them for going for it. But just the play calling – on fourth and short, third and short throughout the game, I thought was very questionable. That falls on Jay Johnson. That falls on the offensive staff for Michigan State. So I thought, uh, can't have a turnover on downs when you're at the yeah. two-yard line. That's just inexcusable. Yeah. Uh, then the missed field goal to end the half, that was also kind of key. I, it was an 11-play, 45-yard drive. 
it was a nice drive uh, to end the first half there, but you got to cash in on some points. Again, just Michigan State, they got the ball down the field. They were moving the football. I know Maryland's defense isn't great, but they were moving the football against a Big Ten against an average Big Ten team. That's a little bit promising, but you just got to cash in on those points when you're in the red zone and when you have opportunities like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I got the opportunity to listen to um, Nathan Carter talk after the game in the press conference, and he said, we got to do our jobs to finish out those plays so they're seven-point plays and not three-point plays. And I thought that was key. Um, They couldn't quite get it over the line. And, I mean – Field goal is, I guess, never bad, but you would obviously much rather have a touchdown. And they just couldn't break through um, that area. So that kind of fits in exactly with what you were saying. Okay, second half. Um, Give me some points off the top of your head about the second half, and then we can kind of talk about the quarterbacks switching in and out at the end of the game. Yeah, again, it was just turnovers. I think they had two interceptions in the second half alone. one was the Hauser interception. They were in the red zone as a 12-play, 82-yard drive that chewed up five minutes of the clock. It was a really good drive. I like. I thought Hauser looked decent on that drive. I know we'll touch on the quarterbacks in a little bit, but just the interceptions, fumbles, it's just it kills drives. It kills momentum. Michigan State had some momentum. They were playing well on defense. They had an interception in the end zone. Angelo Gross had a nice uh, grab. I think he got a foot down in the back of the end zone there. And then Michigan State came out, scored a touchdown right after that interception. Michigan State had the momentum. It was 21 to 9 at that point. And I think that was the third quarter, late in the third quarter, maybe, or middle of the third quarter, actually. So Michigan State had the momentum in the middle of that third quarter. And they didn't do anything with it. The next two drives, yeah, the next two drives, they went three and out, three plays, seven yards, three plays, negative 10 yards. Those are when you have the momentum, your defense is playing well. That's when the offense has to get going. You have to carry that momentum. Yeah. And like like I said, it, this was a game in the third quarter. It was only 21 to nine. Yeah, yeah. Well, honestly, like, I don't want to compare too much to the Washington game because Washington is a very different team than Maryland. But the, the although there were turnovers and there was things, it did seem like Michigan State had more energy. And based off kind of what you said, I mean, they were leading in overall yards and stuff. So there was obviously energy there to be used and, you know, things that could have been done. So I think it was maybe a small positive step in the right direction compared to what we saw against Washington. But there's obviously still a lot of things that they need to clean up. And if you're able to put up that many yards against your opponent, you can't shoot yourself in the foot over and over with those turnovers because then players are going to be demoralized and there's, you know, there's not that drive on the sidelines to kind of get back out there and go again because things just keep turning over every time. Um, Let's talk briefly about the quarterback stuff um, and Harlan Barnett's comments. This is something I was curious. I knew that someone was going to ask because Noah Kim didn't have the greatest of performances in this game. Um, You know what their reasoning was to kind of switch up the quarterback. And he kind of first said, you know, Noah Kim's our guy still. He put in the work in the offseason. We're not going to just switch up on someone that has done all of that the whole time. You you can't do that. But what he said was that they were looking for a spark. and so they put in Caden Hauser and then tried Sam Levitt. Um, what are your what's your opinion on that? Them kind of switching things up at the end of the game. 
I did think Hauser provided the spark. I think that's for sure because, like, like I mentioned, Kim was in there for two straight three and outs. After they scored a touchdown or got the interception, scored a touchdown, they had the momentum. Then they went back-to-back three and outs. That killed the momentum. So then they put Hauser in. I think he had. A, I thought he had a nice drive. I think they went like 12 plays, 80 yards. He ended up throwing a, a an interception just over through Carter on the screen pass. I mean, Maryland's defense kind of read him like a book there. So it probably wouldn't have been a big play anyway, but – Still, you can't throw a pick in the red zone there. So I thought Hauser did provide a spark. He went 6 for 10 for 75 yards. So not a bad performance. But again, ball security is job security. Michigan State's quarterbacks, three interceptions. That can't happen. And that can't happen next week against Iowa and some other teams. You play in the Big Ten, they're going to have really good defenses. Iowa, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State. So just you, it, just ball security is job security. That's the main takeaway from here. And Look, I don't mind Kim and Hauser splitting reps against Iowa. I think if you're going to take bumps and bruises this year, why not do it with a young quarterback like Hauser, who's probably the future of Michigan State football, assuming he doesn't you know, jump in the transfer portal and go, go elsewhere, because we don't know what's going to happen with that. So if you're going to take bumps and bruises this year, if you're going to struggle, give Hauser the reps. Why not see how far he takes you? Okay, so switching gears a little bit, I think we can leave the Maryland game to rest and kind of move on to Michigan State's matchup against Iowa um, for next week. So Michigan State will go on the road to Iowa for their first road game of the season. Um, Iowa last night, I watched them play Penn State a little bit. They struggled to put things together on offense. Penn State pretty much dominated that whole time. Iowa really kind of struggled, but... What do you think about Michigan State's matchup against Iowa, and how will the Spartans do against um, the Hawkeyes in their first road game? I think the big question is Michigan State's offense. We know Iowa doesn't have an elite offense. Look, last night against Penn State, they put up 76 total yards. I know it's a, it's a super tough environment. They were playing at the whiteout at Penn State. Penn State's a really good football team, but Iowa is they're not going to blow Michigan State away with kind of offensive skill talent, like maybe a Washington or like Ohio State did last year. So I think Michigan State, if they want to be competitive in this game, I think they're going to have to put up some points. The offense is going to have to get going and put pressure on the Iowa offense to score. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like I said, we saw signs of life against Maryland. Um, I really think that going on the road will be a very big test for them just because it's another added layer of everything else. Um, But I think you're right. That pressure needs to be there and maybe they can pull it out. And that would be the spark that they would need to kind of maybe uplift the season. So I'll be curious to see how it goes. I'm really kind of torn to see what they can put together. I'm being more hopeful just for my own sanity. I feel like (laughs) for next weekend, but we'll, we'll have to see Um, any other points about Iowa at all. Just playing there at night is going to be super tough. Kinnick Stadium is one of the toughest places to play in the Big Ten, and then you add on the factor of, oh, the fans are going to be tailgating all day, uh, Mm -hmm. consuming a ton of drinks, so it's going to be an electric environment, and it's going to be tough for Michigan State, for a team that's already facing off-the-field adversity, to go on the road, first road game of the year as well. Probably first road start for Noah Kim. If Hauser gets some minutes, first road game for him. So quarterbacks, they're going to have to step up to the plate. Yeah. Absolutely. So I will have a a preview episode up um, before the Iowa game with someone from the opposing side. So that'll be coming this next week. 
Last thing I want to talk about is just a little bit of some breaking news that happened. Um, Michigan State. Hold on here. I think he's a three-star commit. Cameron Campbell decommitted from Michigan State. I want to say it was just last night that I saw that posted. Yeah, 9.06 p.m. Um, Any thoughts on that? And do you think that with everything that's been going on, that that might become a theme that we see? I mean, yeah, it was he was one of many to come, most likely. Uh, he was a three-star. He's listed as an athlete on Rivals, but I think he's going to use recruited as a DB to Michigan State. He decommitted last night. So, yeah, it wasn't terribly shocking. Campbell's not uh, – he was good pickup by Michigan State, but he's not a highly ranked recruit, highly rated recruit. So it's not a huge loss, but I think you're going to start to see the decommits pile up a little bit for Michigan State. And with that, uh, it's going to be – you're going to see some transfer portal entries too. That's just being realistic. Being realistic, it's going to happen. And back to the Campbell thing, he's got other offers from Minnesota, Ole Miss, Louisville, Kansas State. Uh, so he was recruited by other Power 5 schools. So it's not a huge shock that he de- decommitted. But, again, the decommitments are going to start piling up the transfer portal entries are going to start piling up, piling up here in the coming weeks. So, And with the loss at Campbell, Michigan State is down to 12 verbal commits for the 2024 class, which is not ideal. So hopefully when that new coach comes in, uh, he can hit the ground running with that 2025 class. Yeah, absolutely. That kind of leads us into our last topic. So on Tuesday is when supposedly Mel Tucker's um, full termination will be in place. Um, There's been a lot of rumblings about like the status of the team and how, you know, Harlan Barnett said, if you want to leave, like you just got to tell me we need to know and kind of, you know, they had that conversation. Um, Our publisher, David Harnes, put out some information as he was talking to family and friends of the players last night after the game that it doesn't seem like maybe, at least the ones that he talked to, that they're jumping ship right as of yet. Uh, I'll be curious to see how that goes following Tuesday. Any thoughts on that from your perspective? Yeah, it's one thing to say it, and another thing – so when it actually comes, when, when actually the transfer portal opens now that you actually take it into consideration, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, right now you can sit here and say, oh, we haven't even thought about that yet. We're focused on this season, which could be true at this point. But once that transfer portal opens on Tuesday, if, again, if Tucker gets uh, fired, uh, then kids are going to start thinking about it. And if and they're going to start thinking about it this week. So if, if I think it's ignorant for us to say it, like to for us to not think that it's in the back of their mind right now. So I do think we'll see some transfer portal entries this week. I think eventually we'll see some younger, highly rated uh, players, developing players who promise to be Michigan State's future kind of enter the transfer portal. So it's going to be an interesting next couple of weeks. And then after the season as well, when the the regular transfer portal window opens, uh, we'll also see what names enter there. So it's going to be an interesting uh, few weeks. And this roster is not going to look the same next season. I promise you that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that that is all of our topics. 
We'll be reporting more through Spartans Illustrated about kind of the termination and where things stand with the guys on the team. David is doing a really good job of kind of pushing up that insider information. So check that out on Spartans Illustrated. Like I said, I'll have a preview episode up in a couple days previewing the Iowa game. And then Brendan is lucky enough that he'll be back after the Iowa game to kind of recap that, hopefully talking about something way better than the Maryland game. We won't say the W word because I don't want to jinx it that much, but we'll see what happens. Um, Thanks so much for listening to this maybe kind of sad recap, but thanks for tuning in regardless. This will episode will be up um, on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. So check us out and subscribe to Spartans Illustrated. for football coverage and, you know, up and coming basketball coverage that maybe will be more fun than what we've got going on with football. Thanks so much for joining me today, Brendan, and I will see you all again soon. Bye.